1: By subscribing, you will also receive free video on how to master any organ composition and 10-day organ playing mini chords.
0: And now let's go to the podcast for today. Thank you so much, Michael, for joining in this conversation. I'm very delighted uh, that uh, you found some time to speak with me. I've been waiting for our conversation for months now, right? Because we scheduled uh, very early in advance. I know you're very busy with schedule, uh, studies and performing and composition, but I'm very glad you joined and uh, we're going to talk about your creative year. Thank you so much, Michael, and welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, Vitus, for, um I appreciate the invitation. I'm glad to be speaking with you.
0: Yes. Um, at first, uh, I first, I think, found out about you, Michael, uh, from uh, SoundCloud, right, where I... Um, where i put my podcasts when i where i host my podcast audience and uh, i remember you wrote very nice um, feedback about uh, my my conversations that we were having and started following me and liking so uh, that that is how our story has started uh, some years now do you remember how it all started
2: yes i um uh, <clears throat> it was I opened that uh, SoundCloud account in the summer of um, 20, 2018 and I had a friend who was uh, who whose page I followed, and they were a fan of um, um, secrets warden playing mm-hmm. and uh, I uh, listened and really liked it and and that's, that's how uh, I became familiar with your work and then I purchased uh, some of your scores in which I really like uh from your website i mean uh, <clears throat> and um um so that was the that was how we uh, i found out about you and, and and we corresponded and and um now we're finally speaking all this time you know
0: yeah amazing i so, uh, uh, i was really amazed that uh, that you were interested in my work too and my scores you purchased some some organ compositions that i've been composing last year i think so it really delighted me and I thought maybe I should um, take a look, deeper look uh, into Michael Calabris and uh, see if, uh, if he has uh, something very interesting to our audience. And sure enough, he has uh, created uh, you know, many organ compositions and harpsichord pieces and every, everything else that he puts on cloud, SoundCloud. So um, it's really amazing that we can talk about that today.
2: Well yeah i one of the things that uh, I really liked about uh, your work is that it was oh, a lot of it's based on uh, plain chant, and um, I love modal music in fact um, um, that's basically my my musical language <clears throat> and I love um, uh, latin plain I like uh, liturgical plain chant in general, whether uh, based in the western or eastern traditions and um also um you're an improviser very an excellent improviser and i improvise to a lot and uh so um i um i found there was a lot that i i really liked and, and could relate to with your work and um so
0: mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. sent a few questions for our podcast right that uh, mm-hmm. Usha and i were having great time answering uh, those were very deep questions and i remember very <laughs> extensive um, uh, answers were needed uh, and uh, comprehensive maybe even an entire course on your questions uh, were you <laughs> were you studying from for some uh, for some course in your in your in your uh, university or not at that time
2: well um things like uh tuning um in you know the tuning justice nation, and i can't remember all the questions but um, um, those are just things that interested me. And in fact, I'm finishing my, my third master's degree right now. I'm, I'm, well, I'm doing two simultaneously. I'm doing a master of music, uh, harpsichord performance and organ performance. And I have a master's degree already in composition. And when I was in my, co- the composition program, um, I wrote papers on Pythagorean tuning. And, um, uh, I'm, when I was younger, a young musician, things like intonation, uh, were, were of interest to me. And um, I found out that, um, it, for a lot of musicians, they either don't know or don't care about it. And, um, uh, so, you know, those kind of (laughs) philosophies, I don't even know if it's, it's not even basic music here. It's just almost philosophy. Things like that interested me. And, um, I one of the questions um, uh, that was more practical, I think was about Max Rager and, um, that, he's one of my favorite uh, uh, composers. That's why I asked about, uh, I think it was characteristics of his music.
3: Yes, but yes,
2: yes. The, yeah, but I do remember <laughs> the, the questions would have to, you, know, you said something like they would be, need like a seminar and, and they were kind of deep. I just thought, well, you know, um, maybe the listeners, if they're not familiar, this might be something that would be of interest. It's not, you know, obviously it's not practical, but um, I really uh, just enjoyed uh, listening. Uh, I mean, your podcast helped me. And I was, you know, I'm a uh, graduate student and because I, one of the things that I really liked is that people, you know, the performance problems, they're, they're common to, they're basically common to everybody. So a lot of the problems that are discussed on your podcast. Uh, so um, I liked that, but I also thought, well, we could, maybe they could discuss some, something that's a bit more theoretical. And I, I, I do remember, I think that recently you've done podcasts on, um, different types of well temperament and things like that so mm-hmm.
0: yeah those topics are sometimes very interesting for uh, for some s- small segment of our audience right and uh, generally speaking people are very interested in in uh, performance related or uh, practice related issues that we're discussing or registration right but when when we, you mm-hmm. go deep so some sometimes people are um, thinking maybe i'm i'm just a liturgical organist or a, or just a practicing organ for my own enjoyment and maybe this information is over my head right but but mm-hmm. sometimes this type of deep questions um, concern uh, people who are really really deeply interested in 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 that topic like yourself right so they listen mm-hmm. to the pop- podcast from the beginning until the end they comment they give feedback and ask further questions that's where interesting discussions start
2: yes and it's um uh yeah i i can understand that um you know these you know these are more advanced things and but um it's great that, uh, you know, that people are playing and they're even for fun, you know, that's just playing the organ at all. It's, it's, it's a great thing. And, uh, there might be some people who, who, you know, like the theoretical, I I mean, I, (laughs) I don't know if this is a valid distinction, but one of the things that I realized is that there seem to be two types of, of, of at least liturgical organists. I won't say, you know, organists in general, there's the performing performer and the composing performer and um yes. i found that uh, um that uh, like local churches performing performers uh sometimes they can do improvisations but the, but in general in my experience i found that they don't they're e- they're excellent interpreters of other people's music um excellent performers excellent uh as we say uh, people persons uh the composer performer is, it seems like a more rare type, at least in my experience. And they tend to be more quiet and thoughtful, very good at improvisation. Um, and, and you know, um, so, and, and they tend to delve deeper into things that would not be really, um, for the most part of probably really practical importance to the local parish level. I mean, I, I consider myself a liturgical organist and, um, I do performances, Um, last week I played with the Cleveland Winds, and um, then I had my graduate organ recital last week, too, Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, (laughs) but, um,
0: so, so, Michael, let's, let's go deeper into your studies, right, Uh, mm -hmm. in which school are you studying right now?
2: Cleveland State University.
0: Uh Uh-huh. And uh, you're, you said you were uh, doing two masters, right?
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh a master of music in harpsichord performance and one in uh, organ performance. And I graduate in this um, this coming May, 2020. <clears throat>
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who is your professor? Or both professors? I'm
2: studying. I'm studying organ with uh, Todd Wilson, who's a very famous uh, oh, yeah. uh, concertizing organist. And I'm studying uh, harp score with uh, Joella Jones Weiss, who's the principal keyboardist uh, for the Cleveland Orchestra. So outstanding professors, I was I considered myself really lucky to have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, to play with them.
0: Mm-hmm. Are they also creators, uh, composers themselves?
2: Um, well, uh, professor Wilson is, is an outstanding improviser. In fact, last year, the year before. Um, sometimes around Halloween, the Cleveland Orchestra sometimes has these like they'll show like silent films or films from the silent era, and he'll provide organ accompaniment like mm-hmm. like was done in the 1920s. And I went to hear him uh, accompany. I think it was Alfred Hitchcock's The Lodger, and it was absolutely fantastic. And and he basically had three compositions that around, uh, upon which he based his improvisations. But there was one part where um, it was purely his music, and it was. Um, exceptional
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, it was it sounded it was like film music and um, <laughs> it's pretty fantastic um, but as far as composing i'm not sure um, if either um, either my professors compose i know a professor wilson improvises
0: yes so sometimes organists uh, don't notate their ideas on paper or in, on the computer but they they create on the spot right it's it's the same thing it's just it's just gone after the performance
2: yeah and, and improvisation is is a gift and it's i mean like like all art is something that can be developed but it's something that's akin to, to to um composition in fact i recently posted some. And you know i'm with my soundcloud page i i'm you know sometimes i put i put things up and take i'm trying to find the best way to present my material but I recently posted something uh, that was an improvisation on the harpsichord and somebody was surprised and expressed uh, surprise that it was an improvisation. The, the performance I thought was, wasn't that great, but the emotions that I was able to convey were, were good. And, uh, and was, it warranted uh, being posted as far as I was concerned. Mm-hmm. And um, I went into a discu- uh, discussion with this
3: uh,
2: uh, lady about, uh, improvisation because she was saying, well, when I improvise, I have to you know, record and then work on it. And I said, well, that's, that's more like composition. And I said, you know, improvisations hit or miss sometimes improvisations are good and sometimes they're terrible. Sometimes they're mediocre, but um, it's, it's, it's a talent. It's like, just like composing or drawing or playing the organ. And um, but uh, people who just like composers, if you, if you're an improviser, you will improvise something you can't help doing. And, uh, because, you know, there are services some, sometimes that I do where all the I will improvise all the solo music and, um, I don't, I try not to do that too much, but I enjoy Mm it. And, uh, it's kind you know, it can be exciting to, to, you know, get, you know, think about, okay, here are the hymns of the day. Just come in on a Sunday morning without preparation in in terms of knowing what I'm going to play and then just, uh, play something. and, And sometimes it turns out well, and sometimes it's not as, I've never had anything where, uh, an improv that turned out horrible. I mean in terms of uh, performing at the church but
0: yeah
2: but yeah it's
0: uh, Michael, uh, which church are you working on or in i
2: uh yeah i I serve at the richville uh, United Church of Christ actually uh, from where i'm I'm doing this interview, I'm actually sitting in the the, the church's sanctuary right now
0: oh very nice. Mm-hmm. yes uh uh-huh. so 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 um have what is the longest uh, improvisation that you have done in the church?
3: Hmm.
0: Um, 15 minutes or longer? Well, <laughs> well
2: actually, for, in this denomination, um, at least uh, in the United States, as far as I know, they only have communion once a month, and it's the first Sunday of the month. I always improvise when communion is being served.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: uh, so um, if we have a... Really <laughs> You know, a lot of people receiving, you know, communion, and it's, I'm not exactly sure of the exact time, but that's always when I do the, the most extensive improvs. is during the serving of communion.
0: Do you feel any fear during that time?
2: No. In fact, uh, I'm m- most comfortable when I'm uh, improvising or playing my own compositions.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: um, because I, well, I, I know them, and, and within the improv, it's, it's coming from within me. And I may not always be able to articulate it well, just like if you have an idea, sometimes when you're trying to speak it, you can't, you know what you're thinking, but you're not able to articulate it well enough. You know, that happens with improvisation. Uh, But uh, that, no, that's, that's something that doesn't. Now, if I'm playing some, you know, some, um, you know, Bach or something, I want to make sure I do a good job. Mm -hmm. And I think, and then I overthink it you know, I get too focused on details. And, and one of the things that uh, Todd Wilson has, has really instilled in me is is having fun when you're playing. Uh, And because a lot of people get too concerned with, you know, what will people think of me? And, and is everything absolutely perfect? And, um, you know, am I going to feel like a terrible organist if I don't play this correctly? And, um, and with, you know, I, there was a long time where I was just concerned with, with, being trying to be as perfect as possible, I knew it wasn't completely attainable, but for me that was that was being an organist i wasn't it wasn't fun for mm-hmm. a long time
3: mm-hmm.
2: and um I've learned how to do that and in part partly um it's by being comfortable with um you know um I spoke with the uh, um, worship committee here and said, you do you mind if I improvise in and, and actually from what I've heard, the, the congregation here, that's the music they like the most <laughs> when I improvise. And, uh, cause usually, you know, sometimes I'll play, like, I know this coming, this coming Sunday is the first, um, Sunday of Advent. So I'm, the prelude will be, um, Bach's, uh, uh, you know, savior of the, his uh, prelude on uh, a chorale and savior of the nations come, uh, mm-hmm. which I always do for the first Sunday of, every, of Advent. <clears throat> but, um, I think, uh, the, you know, the congregation likes it, and, and um, so.
0: Uh-huh. So no fear, right? Uh, uh, what about um, concert settings? Uh, it doesn't bother you that people are really listening or even paying tickets to hear you play?
2: Well, the strange thing about that <laughs> is that I actually feel less nervous when I play concerts than I do when I play in church.
3: Mm-hmm. And if you
2: ask me why that is, I have no clue. I mean, this, like I uh, said, last week I did two concerts. Well, one was a recital and one was a concert. And um, I didn't feel as nervous on either of those days as I did yesterday (laughs) when I played the uh, church service. And, you know, there are a lot of people there, especially for the Cleveland Winds concert. Because, I mean, there were two other uh, wind bands that were playing. Cleveland Winds is a professional ensemble. uh, And uh, so we played last. And, So to answer your question, no. With I mean, well, yeah, I do feel nervous, but it's a different type of nervousness.
3: Mm -hmm. Um,
2: I want to make sure that you know that for because a lot of people who attend that may be the first and or only time they hear those pieces, and I want to make sure that I represent the composers as as best I can. And um, I'm concerned, you know, about you know doing their music justice. And so in, in that sense, that can be nerve-wracking and but that's that in general um concerts are less they make me less nervous than playing in church which is odd because i prefer I mean, it's, my career is a, is, a, is i'm i'm a liturgical organist
0: right so michael um how long have you been playing in the church in in the church
2: i've been playing uh professionally uh i mean well in terms of being like full-time employed for about 5 years uh-huh. And uh but I when I was younger I sang in choir and I sometimes played the piano. But mm-hmm. um but professionally it's I've just been doing it for about 5 years and I like it.
0: Uh-huh. And how did how did it it all started? Do you remember the the time when you first fell in love with the organ?
2: Yeah, well yeah there's there's yeah there's two ways of answering that question. The first is, is that um the, the very first instrument I I played the first instrument I touched was a little electronic um, reed organ.
3: Uh-huh. And
2: I, re- I recently, I, I, you did an uh, uh, podcast about, I think, uh, French composition that had harmonium registration. I really like that because I remember being, it was, I was probably four or five years old and my uh, mother's parents, uh, my grandfather purchased a uh, very old, uh, uh, very nice reed organ that sounded like a, like a, an accordion.
3: <laughs> uh-huh. And,
2: of course, I, I, that's one of the reasons I really like uh, car work. Um, I love th- that sound, uh, of the, of the, harmonium sound. That's when I f- fell in love both with the, the organ, so to speak in music in general, but in terms of concert organ music, that was something I, I fell in love with when I was in college because, uh, um, that's when I started getting more involved in, um, you know, church and things like that.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you know, and the, I was fortunate the church, the church uh, where I had my membership, the priest gave me a, you know, a key to the church and said, you can come and play the organ whenever you'd like. And I was, you know, that, you know we had a very nice uh, Schantz uh, pipe organ, beautiful, um, absolutely beautiful sound. And um, so it, I guess I fell in love twice. Once when I was like four or five years old, when I played that little reorgan, And then when I was in my twenties, when I really got a chance to, to, to dig into it,
0: Wonderful. Uh, I think, Michael, you're our first uh, guest who fell in love not with the pipe organ, but with the reed organ at first. Yeah. I well, think.
2: well, as I was discussing this, composers tend to like odd things. I, and I was thinking about this this morning, and one of my, I was discussing this with one of my uh, composition professors this past week, um, and... Um, for, I mean, on the recital program, I really wanted to play uh, Ernest Bloch's um, Six Preludes. I like that, and I, I have a lot. Most organists I know either are, don't know that work or they don't like it because it's really not a typical organ work. In fact, uh, in the program notes of the recital, I mentioned that most organists, at least the ones I've heard, don't pay any attention to uh, uh, Bloch's. Dynamic registration, or he says something at the beginning. He only wants eight-foot principal stops, or something like that. But the music's colorful. But it's an, it's, it's an unusual piece of music, and I like it. And uh, so, I mean, when I was a teenager, yeah, I, I liked popular music, but I was mostly listening to medieval music and Renaissance music. I like, I just liked it. And um, you know, I, I've always—it's um, not—I've never been intentionally weird. I just always liked things that were unusual, but that, but my professor said that's how most composers are. But, um, so yes, uh, <laughs> I'm glad I had that distinction. It's, uh,
3: uh-huh. yeah,
2: I, I love the reed organ and it's, you know, I was thinking the other, the other day that it's, it's too bad that like with the, um, Hammond organs tried to, you know, basically I think the purpose, that's, that's what made, uh, uh, the reed organ kind of, it was not obsolete, but I mean, the Hammond basically replaced it in terms of having an organ in the home,
0: uh-huh.
2: and um, so
0: you're right uh, there was a revolution in terms of musical instrument that people could play at home now of course most of the people can play virtual pipe or virtual organs mm-hmm. right? Hauptwerk or 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 similar instruments at home but earlier it was Hammond uh, various versions variations models but before that it was a Reed organ obviously
2: yeah and uh uh it's i mean um i do i play there are several other um civic organizations for whom i work um and and i play hammond for all of them and uh, it's you know it's okay but hammond really at least in the united states is a a jazz instrument it's mostly associated with jazz and it's um uh but with uh hauptwerk and uh, programs like that they are they're pretty good um now, I, I live in a very small apartment, so I can't, I don't have room for <laughs> for anything like that. And, uh, but um, um, I think if I, it, given the, the opportunity, I'd rather get an old harmonium, <laughs> probably tune it to uh, some well-temperament or mean tone. And oh, um,
0: oh, you would be the first to play harmonium on the mean tone, probably.
3: <laughs>
0: the only one. Are you familiar with the uh, the
2: composer, the American composer Harry Parch?
0: Not yet. Now I am. <laughs> well, he, no, yeah. Well, he's
2: he's. I wouldn't even say avant garde. He was kind of outside the concert music tradition, but he had a, a musical instrument that he built. Him, I mean, he basically built. He was a he was music history unto himself. He de- developed his own notation system. He was a microtonal composer. Designed his own instruments. Had his own philosophy of music, which was very. He basically put his philosophy of music outside the Christian tradition, which from basically he seems to think that in his book um, Genesis of Music, that's kind of where things went wrong. Was um, the um, you know the the influence of the church uh, Mm
3: -hmm. and
2: how it how that it changed from the Greek conception of music, but he had an instrument called a chromolodeon and it was basically a, a, a harmonium that he tuned to um his um, his, his basically his his uh, system of just intonation um with you know and it it, and it it sounds really cool i mean you can go on youtube and watch videos of his demonstrating it
0: it sounds fascinating michael and if we think about that um let's imagine we're not in the western world right uh, not um mm-hmm touched by the um, liturgical tradition or the church tradition of the centuries and millennia. And maybe our exotic uh, music is is uh, more tied to the local uh, traditions, right? Uh, it ha- has their own uh, vocabulary and modes and, um, and composers. Uh, could write uh, something like that, even living in Western world, grabbing influences from from the exotic places, and they do, right? Like gamelan, gamelan, mm-hmm. and uh, and um, let's say uh, various parts of Asia, India. It's it's something very 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 exotic to our ears, but it's not not outside common practice now. I think uh, everything is possible.
2: Yeah. And, and uh, certainly, uh, as far as um, as far as I've been able to tell, from just uh, I, I recently read um, a book by uh, Kurt Sachs called I think it was the uh, Rise of Music uh, in the East and West, and basically uh, he discusses like um, you know the hydralos, the um, which was like a water organ. It was, the first, it was basically the first pipe organ. Yeah, it was more popular in Italy than it was invented by Ctesibius, who was a, a Greek engineer based in Alexandria. But the Italians liked it more than, in the Greek world, it was, it was not, I don't want to say a toy, but it wasn't of as great interest because the Italian people, even in the ancient world, were, they just, you know, they they liked music. And they, you know, the Greeks did too, but they had a different conception. In Italy, music was for enjoyment, largely. In, uh, Greece, in the Greek world, it was for philosophy. But with the... Um, each region had their own t- system of tuning the hydralos. Uh, they had, you know, and of course there were, they were in people who were, in, um, I think uh, the um, historian uh, Kenneth Harl refers to them as Egyptomaniacs, which is people who just love um, Egypt and things like that. Or people, you know, um, some performers were influenced by the Greek practice. And, but it's too bad that the Romans didn't write down their music like the Greeks did. Mm-hmm. um you know it's but uh, that's the way it was back then i mean yes. there was no standardized tuning you know and uh people basically probably did things the way uh harry parks did they just built in them themselves and can had their own conception of, uh, of music
0: <clears throat> right we don't really know how that music sounded even though like the first notated musical composition in the western world uh, is considered to be like a Song of Seychelos, right from ancient Greece. Uh, this this um, melody, which could be played mm-hmm. on the organ as well or on the hydraulis, I think. But but we don't really know how it's supposed to be performed or sung or. or...
2: Well, yeah, that's. I mean, we have fragments, and uh, I think um, I think there's actually even an older fragment from uh, from from Turkey um but yes uh i mean we have fragments of music from uh, some of uh the plays of euripides i believe um and but it would be so nice to to you know scholars have reconstructed in different ways but you know it'd be really nice to know what that sounded like and i mean in ancient greece the likelihood is that uh um Probably, well, Kenneth, again, speaking of the historian Kenneth Harrell, he says it was probably more like kabuki theater as in like the Japanese tradition. It yeah. wasn't drama like we think of it today, but there was music and it wasn't like Shakespearean drama, which is largely you know, spoken. This was, you know, ritualistic and, and the, you know, the, the playwright was a composer. He taught the the chorus, um, just taught them orally, basically.
0: Mm hmm. Mm hmm that's right uh, does this um, interest you as a composer those those ancient ideas too
2: yeah, absolutely and um and i use uh uh in some of my compositions i mean i've one on soundcloud now maybe more than one but i know certainly one <clears> that's <throat> based on an ancient greek scale the scale of uh olympos which is a, we we would call it in the west like a, t- a type of phrygian scale
3: mm-hmm. um and
2: um um, in fact, I use that scale in, in a lot of my compositions, the, the Phrygian mode is my favorite mode. Uh, and, uh, like I, for Faust, which is a orchestral piece I composed, I mean, it opens in the Phrygian mode. And, uh, but, um, yeah, I, uh, it, when it comes to, uh, you know, Greek rhythms and things like that, that didn't interest me as much as, is just the intonation, the sound of the scales and, and, um. So, yeah, I, I do implement at least intonational series And that recording actually is in, I, th- I think it's in, um, it's Verkmeister, even though the Verkmeister, of course, didn't exist in the ancient Greek world. But I tend, if I can avoid it, I tend to avoid um, equal temperament.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, now, in the
0: Harps Quarter, what's that? Uh, you're right. Uh, 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 the Greeks didn't use equal temperament. No. and
2: Chinese I, did I <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, and and uh, for me, the
2: the closer to pure tuning to Justin's now, it, it, obviously Justin's nations with with instruments of fixed pitch is impractical for the most part, but as close as we can get to it, which would you know be going to like mean tone or even Pythagorean, if it's possible, I I like that. I like the sound of the more pure uh, forms of tuning and. um, and with, you know, I just never, you know, never really cared for, um, standardization in a lot of aspects of music, especially with, with tuning. And that's probably why, um, and I think I mentioned this on, on Twitter recently that I'm realizing that <clears throat> most of my compositional influences are, are not part of the co- the concert tradition. They're part of folk music or, um, religious music, like um chants which are of course naturally if you're chanting you're singing in just intonation pure intonation and um so my music's more and more it seems going towards instruments where you can easily change the inton- the tuning like carp score classical things like that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but <clears throat> i still try to i still mute the organ's my main thing and um i haven't been able to compose too much uh, very much lately just because i've been busy with performances but after I graduate, I'm going to focus on uh, composing and publishing more organ music because there's a, there's, I've had people email me and say, well, you know, cause I, I think I have four publications or four, four works in print right now. And uh, the organ one is the one that has sold. <laughs> and people have emailed me and said, well, could you, could you print more of these? Yes. Um, a lot of the organ music I uh, composed was, is was, too difficult. Um, and if i can't if it, you know if i can't easily play it i won't publish it because it's i don't really like the idea of writing music difficult music for difficulty's sake i think it's silly and um i know one of my professors said if you know if you can't perform it don't you shouldn't have it performed because it's it's like insulting and you know we have this <clears throat> uh special you know concept of specialization where the composer writes these very you know self-referential or abstract works for a, a specialist who can interpret them. But it'd be interesting if, if all composers went back to being performers, how, mu- how much that might change concert music, the way it sounds. If Absolutely. there were no, yeah, Absolutely. and the thing, it's, yeah, there are two, and I've, th- these are something, I think I've mentioned this on Twitter too, and I um, probably should write more about this on, on my Steam blog, but um, there are two things that, that I think are very unfortunate uh, with music today. People don't understand tuning. Uh, most uh, one of my professors said um they most the piano students couldn't tune a piano to save their lives. <laughs> you know it's just uh, now pianos are are granted are difficult to tune, but people don't care about intonation except when the piano's out of tune they want it to tune back and the other thing is that with composers is that um they've moved too far away from i don't want to say practicality but they're just inhabiting a world that's that that's i think innately alienating and um so i like i said i I do think a lot about if people had to perform their own music mm-hmm. i mean composers, how much that would how differently things would sound you wouldn't ha- you know and um so th- i mean that's right. something that that with my compositions if I can't perform them and record them easily um I mean, like I have one organ work in print right now called *Enominate*, which is in Phrygian mode, and it's 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 moderately difficult. But I re- I made a recording of it. But I have other works that, like I have uh, a work called um, Four Modal Preludes and Fugues*, uh, which is incredibly difficult to play, and I I won't publish that. Um, so
0: you know you you michael brought up a good point here that uh, it would be great if composers started playing their own music right uh, or uh, or performers would start creating music like uh, composing uh, or improvising uh, because uh, if organist let's say would would not be creating music nobody would uh, from the organ world right it's primarily mm-hmm. interesting only for the organists so i think if somebody is uh, an organist and a creative person uh, who can create something i think um, it it would be great for our profession in general if that person you know started composing uh, uh, more yeah, well, absolutely mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I, played, I mean, and playing their own music too, like you say, uh, because it gives practicality and uh, creates a platform for the composer. You can easily put uh, those things online on m- multiple platforms and watch it spread today. Well, yeah,
2: yeah, i, I, I you're absolutely correct. Um, I mean, one thing I'll say is that the organ is um, there's it has a natural tendency towards creativity and performance that the piano doesn't have. So every organist and in turn, because they have to pick registration. So there is an, a natural element of creativity for every organist, even if they, they're not skilled improvisers or composers, they still have to make choices that with the piano, you you wouldn't have to make in terms of like registration, like like your, the, you, the way a composer would score something. Um, and with creativity, um, <laughs> I don't know if you'd see this as a good analog, but... If you think of popular music, the music that most people like or a lot of people like or seem to be, or be able to relate to is when the writer is writing from their own perspective. Uh, a lot of popular music today is written like by committee. You have 40 people. So 40 people cannot express the, the, the feelings of an individual. But back in, you know, in the 1970s, 80s and 90s, where people were songwriters slash performers they wrote from their own experience and there wasn't people could relate to it they could relate to having a bro- broken heart or things like that or you know but if you, you 40 people writing a love song it's going to be very generic and uh so the reason i say that is that if pe- if performers um were more felt more creative and felt you know that you know the ability to to get out of the confines of the specialization it might make people feel like they could be part of the musical tradition. Like it's not this separate, like priesthood, you know, like you're like a separate cast of people. Um, And um, that, I mean, again, that's going back to having fun and um, just that's, you know, and again, in the ancient world, those things would have been one and the same. Um, You know, it's, there was no separation between the performer composer and I'm sure that obviously there are people who did one or the other better,
3: Mm -hmm. but
2: musicians were, they were creators and they, you know, so yes, that would, that would be great. And I, for you, especially for your students, I I would say that if, you know, uh, with, they are naturally creative people if they're organists, um, just by virtue of the fact that the way they have to use the, the instrument and it's a wonderful instrument in terms of, I mean, basically it makes you at least an arranger, um, Mm -hmm. or a scorer. So,
0: yes, Michael, I want to ask you what is the most difficult thing for you today as an organist or a composer or, or both
3: well i think um i think i I tend to be
2: too 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 hard on myself um and i you know I do struggle with performance anxiety um to a degree and but mostly it's it's i think Going, it, I still have a tendency towards uh, perfectionism, which is not attainable. And um, um, as a composer, the the biggest problem, I guess, is it, you know I, I remember a friend of mine said you know all artists tend to, you know have a tendency towards insecurity. And my music is not avant garde, um, but. I live, you know, I live near Cleveland, obviously, and Cleveland's one of the best places in the United States to be if you're a professional musician because, you know, we have the Cleveland Orchestra, we have new music ensembles here, but there is a uh, a um, definitely a, a preference for avant-garde music, and I also I, I can na- naturally write melodies. It's not difficult for me, and because I, I like to convey emotion and tell a story and. But even when I was in school that that was kind of considered old fashioned um yes. music was was really composing it wasn't like academic like I think milton Babbitt said you know in uh, uh physicists don't write papers for the general public; they write for other physicists well yeah, but that's that also, that's partly what is is responsible for the
3: <laughs>
2: the uh, uh loss of popularity of the of concert music is because of that very same thing that concept of music so there was a time when i was in graduate school where i became very dissatisfied with my work and like because you know i just wanted to be able to naturally compose in a more avant-garde way Mm -hmm. and it just didn't come naturally to me and one of my professors uh, who's one of the most influential people in my life he said to me at one point he's like mike this your music's not sounding like you anymore, and he said, "Why, you know, why can't you just be comfortable being you?" He's, you know, and I, w- I remember I wrote. um, In fact, it was the four preludes and uh, fugues, the four modal preludes and fugues.
3: Uh-huh.
2: And my professor said, "Mike, that's newer in in some ways than, than electroacoustic stuff because people are still doing electroacoustic stuff. But modal music, I mean, it's who 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 else is really doing it today? And in that sense, what you're doing is is unique and and new bringing back something like that. And that really made me, I mean, that's just something you, it's the importance of really good teachers. And, and um, that's something else that I, I I wanted to mention is that that's something that I'm grateful for is that I've had some outstanding teachers in college and and, uh, graduate school who believed in me and who supported me. But those two things are three things, I guess, um, with the Oregon, I tend to just, I tend not to have fun with it i tend to it's it you know it when I'm trying to be perfect it, it ceases to be fun and if you're not having fun when you're playing uh the 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 listeners can feel that if you you can convey your emotion mean, <laughs> through the music you're conveying if you're afraid or if you're enjoying yourself or if you like it or if you, you know it makes you happy or uh' cause it's it's storytelling um and I try to remember that uh there's also you know performance anxiety which the, the cure for that is just playing more, playing as much as you can in public. Um, and uh, that's really the best cure because I think everybody starts out really nervous. With me, it comes more from um, just perfectionism, wanting to make sure everything's absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. With composing, it's um, probably, you know, just the process of becoming comfortable with, you know, the, the, my natural musical language.
0: And yes, becoming cool. A lot
2: of composers don't. What's that?
0: I, I was thinking of, uh, you have to be you, right? Because everyone else is different and doing their own thing. And, uh, and the best strategy is just to be yourself today.
2: Yes. And, I mean, because that's, I mean, <laughs> as a composer, I mean, you can, uh, you know, I think of composition as, it's like a speaking voice, um, we can we speak in our natural voice with our natural accents, but we can also mimic the voices of other people. We can mimic the accents of other people speaking our language. Um, and there's no need for that. There's no need as a composer to mimic um, another composer, whether from the past or the present. The, the unique thing is 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 one's own contribution. And I've you know when I've become comfortable with the fact that you know my musical influences are outside of the concert tradition, they're mostly, you know, folk music or religious music. And, um, I, it doesn't bother me now, Mm -hmm. but, um, um, yeah, one, you have to be yourself, even when it comes to choosing repertoire. Um, when you're in school, you have to play the standards, you have to learn the, the standard organ repertoire, but not everybody can do everything. Um, in that sense, specialization is almost necessary. If you want to be really good, Uh, at something because if you if you focus on one or two areas and become really good if somebody wants an organist who does that really well they'll come to you because that's your specialization but if you try to do everything well it's it'll be it's it'll be impossible so in that sense i think it's it it, it's good to um after you have a good you know basic mastery to find something that really you really like in the organ repertoire Mm -hmm. and focus on it and you know
0: i can relate michael to this because uh if if you're a creator like a composer today, you are inevitably influenced by the academic area as, as well, academic landscape. Mm-hmm. and as you say, they, they want new things, unique things, uh, things that uh, um, you know nobody else is is doing right? Uh, but um, as, a, as a person, I think uh, you have to... Relax a little bit and uh, don't pay attention to those people because, uh, because ultimately your listeners will decide if your music Absolutely. is or not, right? And today we're in a, in a position to have a direct relationship with our audience and like 30 years ago it was impossible we had to have a an agent or something uh, uh, a distributor or or maybe um, gatekeeper right uh, and mm-hmm. today today we have direct relationship with, with our fans like we are talking today right with you about the things that uh, we both enjoy and hopefully our audience will in, enjoy you have a soundcloud the channel and uh, followers i have my own audience as well uh, on multiple channels and um, and you see you will get feedback and i will get feedback directly from those people so um, i think i think our work can be um, original in a way that nobody else is doing what we do or maybe combination of things that we do right Uh, you are Mm -hmm. not only organist not only composer but also harpsichordist right and those Mm -hmm. three combinations today um, are quite unique and maybe later in in your life you will start doing another thing that uh, that you haven't thought about that maybe something that you were doing as a kid from from your childhood, you know, and uh, this will be also a combination, you know, and that will be part of your legacy.
2: Well, yeah, and one of the things that I've noticed in my own work, uh, especially in the last year and a half, is there has been a a definite change in the way in my... I mean, it's not been uh, conscious or... It's actually been something I've been resisting, Um, but the music is becoming even... Very concerned with emotion and melody and, and moving naturally away from the academic environment, going back to what you said about that um, in, in, in concert music today, the people who get their stuff performed it's very, very small so <laughs> uh, I mean one of the ways that one can, one can realize one's music with you know computer software, but it's it's best if you can play it yourself and if you want your music for a lot of, for a lot of us. If we want our music performed, we have to do it ourselves and and that's how we get noticed. And Maybe somebody likes it and says, oh, you know, I heard uh, your recording of Enomine or, you know, know, could you write something for me? And and, um, one of my friends uh, said that uh, when I opened my uh, SoundCloud account, she said, make sure you have, you know, use only live recordings because if everything's MIDI, um, what that tells the world is that nobody wants to play your music and that you're incapable of playing it yourself. So, um, so, you know, I, I had, I mean, there, I have one or two things that are MIDI on there because they have to be, you know, like if I have something for orchestra, because I'm, you know, like I'm, I'm proud of that work. And I worked on the, uh, in the computer music studio at CSU to make it sound as real as possible, but yes. the keyboard stuff is, is me. <laughs> so, uh, but, um, with the exception of the five preludes, which I just published because I had the, I haven't recorded that yet. That's MIDI too. So, um, yeah and and like you said composers and musicians have today an unprecedented ability to to be in touch with with the the audience there isn't there aren't barriers of record companies or agents or things like that i mean people can just search for something and if you do it they, they can find it and listen to it and decide if they like it or not so it's important to be oneself because if you're trying to be somebody else you'll be, you will be a second second rate somebody else so um and
0: you know. I'm Looks glad, likely. Michael. I'm glad that you have joined Steam recently, and I hope you will have uh, some time to get more active there, start posting things, and maybe uh, embed uh, your SoundCloud recordings there it's very it works charmingly like like that like youtube recordings as well if you like audio soundcloud works well on steam and uh, that's another channel for for your uh, your creativity and also monetization in a way
2: mm-hmm. yeah i i enjoy uh, the steam platform i i haven't uh when i post something on steam and you know aside from you know uh reposting it i it takes, it's like with Twitter, you have, you only have so someone like 150 characters. So it's, it's very brief.
3: Mm-hmm. When I
2: post something on, 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 steam, I want to think about it. Um, like, um, I think James Flores, I mean, all of his writings are very well thought out and, uh, you know, beautifully written. And, you know, I, um, I want to build it, you know, because it's a blog and present the things, uh, my, my, uh, material that way, but I haven't had the time to recently mm-hmm. when I get on steam now or in the last couple of months it's usually be, i'm liking something or listening to something just because i don't have a lot of time um so if i wanted to communicate something recently i've done it on twitter but i do intend on uh opening a youtube account which i don't have presently and uh because also i i would like to you know get involved with the contest the um secrets of organ playing contest I, I, because it's fun you know
3: yes it is fun. and
2: i i yeah I, I like the the you know i'm um in touch with some of the people that are involved that, you know, but I'd like to get more involved. And I was thinking about this, this morning, it's
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, after I finish, you know, I'm going to apply for some doctoral programs, but um, whether or not I, I go, um, you know, I, you know, after three master's degrees and I, I think there's a part of me that feels like I've done enough, <laughs> uh, but uh, I might, I, I'm going to apply for doctoral programs, but um, I, it'll be nice to have at least over the summer, more time to, to do things like, um, YouTube and get more
0: involved in STEAM and things like that. Uh, you're right. I think um, f- from your perspective uh, studying further uh, in the doc- doctoral program wouldn't hurt if you have uh, you know, a th- topic of your dissertation lined up or interest area. Um, it would be a great possibility for you but even if you decide not to go to the next level right to the doctor level you you have to know that you're ready to, for the world to embrace your music your work and start start um, actively you know putting yourself out there
2: yeah and and i've you know i've done that a bit but there's also, I mean, in terms just outside of music, there, you know, as I'm getting older, there are different things in life that I want and to do other, you know, to get other things or to do other things, I have to sacrifice some things and take on other projects that I might not otherwise do. And, uh, I would, it, it would be nice to, to, to be involved uh, to get, you know, to, with you, get involved in university per, uh, teaching. I'd, I oh. think I'd like that music theory or music history, especially. <laughs> um, and, uh, may, you know, it's, um, um I really like music series and <laughs> it probably it's obvious by now.
0: Yes. And but
2: that's that's something that I may do and we'll, we'll see what happens. I don't know. I at this point I I'll, I'll worry about that in the spring.
0: Apply into several schools, not only one, right? And then you mm-hmm. can choose the best one which mm-hmm. you like. Yeah, I why well, I actually I'd like to
2: stay in you know around this area. I I really like living in northeastern Ohio and uh, uh because there's a lot of opportunities here and and my you know but we'll we'll see what happens i uh like a lot of the deadlines for the these doctoral applications are like in january so i'm preparing them you know now they're almost uh, i'm going to submit them next month but and we'll see what happens i mean mm-hmm. most mm-hmm. people that i know that with uh, them
0: you're right uh, it's it uh, the deadline approaching very soon in 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 a few months in a couple of months so if you're preparing, you are doing good job.
2: Yeah, and, well, I mean, what I was saying about whether or not it works out is most people that I know, you know, that applied for DMAs or PhDs in music, most of them didn't, weren't accepted. It's just, it's it, they're difficult to get into. Even, uh, I've known outstanding composers who just, I mean, you know, would apply to three or four schools and just couldn't get accepted for one reason or another.
3: Mm-hmm. Um
2: but um so it's it's you know it's difficult but if it doesn't happen that's you know fine i'll do something else
0: you know
2: that's what i've done my entire life something didn't work i did something else to, you know
0: sometimes that's, that's having a sometimes having a personal relationship with that professor helps like if you meet somebody in a conference or right uh, uh, or like symposium you get to know them uh, they also uh, get to know you and this relationship can can last uh, decades and maybe we've done that with OSHA also when we applied to master's and, and doctoral programs we met our future professors um, personally and uh, chosen the best ones that we liked you know personally because, mm-hmm. but because you you have many possibilities now. But I think uh, this personal level, personal touch is very important.
3: Yeah,
2: and I I actually all my professors have they've given me uh, their support and you know because I went to all of them and said you know I'd like to apply for doctoral programs. What do you think? And they all uh, supported me. And that goes back to what I said about the importance of teachers and and, and especially teachers. If you're a musician, they're the ones that can do the most to open doors for you. And um, you know um, so you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's because teachers know people who know people and sometimes teachers, uh, it, it again, they, in a lot of ways uh, a teacher can make or break a, a student and not just not professionally, but just make or break their spirit or if they like the student, they can open doors or discourage it if they don't think so. So, but you're right. It's knowing people and, and uh, just how, how life tends to work out. You know, it, it's, almost providentially you
0: know you know michael another idea for me is uh, to explore f- further platforms for for um, you know my own work and i recently discovered that you can be on spotify as as an as an artist not only yes. not only like a star uh, pop music musician right but a regular mm-hmm. independent artist like myself can be can be on Spotify through distributors like DistroKid. And I recently recently started uploading um, a bunch of my tracks from YouTube, uh, mm-hmm. you know, converted to MP3s, uh, put some artwork uh, along with them. And uh, I've started getting, uh, you know, uh, streams. Uh, people started listening to me, you know. I haven't uh, yet received any um statistics on how uh, well i will be compensated for that or not i'm i'm not sure uh, in a couple of months i think they will release my first pa- payment but but i think that's another area of of uh, of um, activity that uh, people, people today can get uh, more involved yeah I, I um
2: that's aside from you i i know I personally know one other person uh, who's on Spotify. I, I don't know the details of that, but that's something I, I want to get involved. with. In. in fact, I right now, what I'm hoping to do before uh, I, I graduate is I, there, I have the idea for two r- albums or two recordings. One, I want to do a recording of my clavichord music. Um, and then I have another idea to put together um, a, an album of um, some of my electronic music. Mm-hmm. that that's almost ready to go and there i think it's um i can't remember if it's there's there's another platform too where uh, artists can sell their their works it's like an independent platform but i can't remember the name of it but uh that i'm gonna that's when i'll look into once those two projects are finished that's when i'll look into
0: mm-hmm. um,
2: spotify and those other streaming services
0: wonderful you know uh, you know i i was on youtube for a long time and have developed a very extensive uh, archive you know video and sometimes it's not video but audio but just with the picture uh, on top uh, so and I became a partner you know like like uh, people could uh, watch my videos and see advertisements and I get some some sort of percentage out of those ads that are showing on my videos and uh this is very small revenue stream, but still it, it is a stream. And I thought mm-hmm. if, if Spotify can out, out um, you know, uh, YouTube and I, it appears that yes, they pay more than YouTube in, in at least in, in theory, then I think it's worth it.
2: Well, yeah, that reminds me when I was in college, I remember, um, one of I, we had to go to weekly, um, seminars or where all the students got together and we just talked about stuff in our major and I remember one of the students said "the the musician today has to wear many hats meaning that any if you're a professional musician wherever you can legitimately make money is a good thing and uh, so um, like and I'll say this there really is no reason why I, I don't have a YouTube. It's just been my own laziness for not opening one. And uh, there, I mean, I uh, listened to some ordinance who they'll just have a series of beautiful photographs or paintings um, in the background while the music is playing. And that's, that's fine. Uh, But most, uh, in fact, probably all of the uh, student composers or young composers that I know personally, they all have YouTube. Mm
3: -hmm. I just,
2: you know, it's like steam. It just took me, (laughs) it took me a long time to get around to. Opening the account, but I'll do it.
0: Yes, and with, uh, uh, and uh, James Flores, whom you know, uh, said to me that he is on Spotify with Distrokid as well. Distrokid, by the way, distributes your music to thirty plus, I think, platforms at once: Apple Music, uh, uh, Google Play's, uh, Play, Play, uh, Amazon, iTunes, everything. Deezer. Pandora, everything uh, just you have to pay their subscription fee uh, for, for for one year. but uh, it's not much uh, I think the, the prospect of making uh, uh, music on streaming is, is very great today. and uh, mm-hmm. for example James Flores said that he made 166 dollars total That's great. on Spotify you know and he only had like mm-hmm. something like 80 tracks there. You know that's not really much, but if you have uh, extensive library from SoundCloud, I think you are you are well positioned to 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 monetize this channel. Because remember, on SoundCloud you have to pay uh, subscription too, right? Yeah. Like, like uh, something like one hundred dollars per year, right? Yeah. Well, it's uh, with the with the pro for account. me. I I.
2: Yeah, I'm 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 uh, I'm impressed when anybody uh, makes money at all with, you know, because I with my SoundCloud account, I, I get some, I get listens, but I don't get a lot just because it's the nature of what I do. It's not not popular music, but SoundCloud is like
3: uh,
2: from what I've observed, it seems like what, you know, and what FM radio was in the United States in the 1990s, SoundCloud is the, to today. It's like the radio of today. And but SoundCloud is very, um, as one of my friends said, it's very crowded. And with these other, pla- the, the last platform you mentioned, I'm not familiar with that one, but I'm always, even with $160, that's still impressive. Yes. Um And for me, for me. Um, and uh, it goes back to, if you, any legitimate way you can make money as a musician, you do it.
0: Mm-hmm. Because
2: we wear many hats and that's how we make a living.
0: Yes. The and, more- uh the more hats you wear, the better your position to be independent today. Because if one platform dries up and it might, you have maybe seven more to go. Right?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Ideally it'd be nice to, <laughs> it'd be nice to, you know, have one thing, you know, just to be like a professor and just, uh, not have to, cause it can get tiring to, to, if you're an organist to travel a lot because you're being hired around, uh, like for me, like when I travel around Ohio and, um, you know, or uh, it, can, it can get tiring to, to do a lot of different things, mm-hmm. but that's, you know, if I want a career in music, which I, I do and i I've been doing it, that's what that that's part of it, but it'd be nice. I think at some point to, to have like a, something that's more stable, I don't know if it'll ever happen. Like, like, like I said, like being a university professor mm-hmm. and, uh, doing other things like this more, um for fun rather than for a living
0: because
2: mm-hmm. it can get stressful and busy and confusing at times, and difficult to keep up.
0: Yes. Although those uh, stable positions on, at university are also disappearing.
2: Uh, what's, uh, sorry, I didn't hear what you said.
0: I mean that the, the positions that are stable and good paying in your universities are also slowly disappearing sadly. Yes. Yeah. yeah that, yes. And it's, it's that's,
2: I, I was telling somebody the other day, I wish I'd been born a hundred years before I was because then I, you know, I'd be able to get a very secure university position. <laughs> and, and that is, you know, that's that it. That's just the way things are. And that's another reason why it's a, it's more difficult uh, to get into a, a doctoral program because schools, universities are, from what I've read, are becoming more concerned about placement. And um, you know, like I I read an article that said something like that for every one um, piano uh, performance uh, faculty position, there might be 300 DMAs applying for it. And some people, some professors actually are getting to the point where they're considering it unethical uh, to encourage people to uh, take on more studies or time out of their lives or even debt for these higher degrees when training for jobs that don't exist or that more likely not exist and that's another reason why I, you know, I'm not sure I, it's, it's, you know, um, well, if, you know, cause if I want to invest another four or five years, in, in, you know, uh, but, uh, you're right. I mean, it's unfortunate. Um, but that's just the way things are. And, you know, I think it was, uh, Tolkien in the Lord of the Rings, uh, one of the characters, I think it was Gandalf says it is not up to us to choose the times in which we live.
3: Mm-hmm. And, um,
2: And also in the book of Ecclesiastes, it says, do not ask why were the former times better than these, for it is not in wisdom that you inquire this. And I I always wondered, you know, what does that mean? Because it just, it tells us not to to think that uh, earlier times were better, but it doesn't say why.
0: Yeah, it's very concerning. But the last advice that I can give, it's not an advice, but maybe personal observation from my own experience, is that the best thing I ever done was to start working on my own independence financial independence right after i had received a like like a job or a position somewhere not waiting to be out of you know out of finances, out of this position, or even out of job, you know, without a job, and then starting to look what's next for me. But right the minute when I started getting my my own salary from, from teaching, let's say, I started creating my own platform. And that's the best advice I can give to anybody who is just starting their own professional career right now. Uh, apply to master's degrees and doctoral degrees that's fine but along with that try to start your own independent gig and and uh, later uh, maybe you don't need that kind of financial support right now maybe you will get a scholarship and uh, and things like that maybe you have a church position right that's that's great but you never know what will happen in let's say five years or 10 years and if you do start uh, uh, preparing for that right now, you will be ready.
2: Yeah, you're, you're absolutely correct. I mean, in a lot of a uh, lot of us, you know, we wait till this yeah, the this, the perfect time. I'll do it when the time when it's per, there is no perfect time. Now is the time you do it because you don't know what's gonna what's going to happen, and you have to start building up things now. You're building your career now because it's not like you you, you it's not like you're on a train and you stop at the destination. You're like, well, I'm here. I can you know do all these things. No, you you need to be building them up along the way. You don't know where the, the that train may stop. And in terms of your, um, your destination, your professional destination. um, And um, you, you, there is no perfect time. And um, I think also that's, that again, that's motivated by fear. You know, what if things don't work out or, you know, I want this to be perfect when I want, you know, when I do it, I want it to be perfect. No. Nobody, nobody really expects it to be perfect. I mean, that's some again. That's something I've learned, um, just by uh, you know, from my professors, is that like even if you have a website, you, you, you know, people don't expect it, everything to be perfect and to, all the words to be absolutely, you know, spelled correctly and proper grammar. You work on it. You know, you work on it when you have time. You put it together, and people don't um, expect perfection.
0: Exactly, exactly. You first create a minimum viable product. They they call it. And, and then you work from there. It's the most concerning thing is for me that, that not too many schools teach that skill, marketing skill for artists, you know. They have to, that is... have to learn themselves, learn the ropes from experience, from their own mistakes. And uh, that's not a bad thing either, you know. i done this and uh, I'm still here. I survived and I hope to be doing this for a long time. I think anybody can do this as well.
2: Yeah, well, it. it um, what you, you're absolutely right. I mean, um, I, I remember um, when I was an undergrad, people talking about. Or they were saying that it, they wish they had there were courses on on you know the the, the music business or, or the business aspects of music. But um, I think for a lot of a lot of us probably we we wouldn't care anyway because a lot of people always think, well, I will be the exception, you know, and uh, so it's almost always. Um, Learning from one's own experience is the best teacher, even though it's most unfortunate. But it it would be nice if, um, well, I think uh, if students are receptive, the teachers will tell them. I mean, I don't know any teachers who have ever hidden the difficult aspects of even like being a university professor. Um, And uh, no, you know, when I was in, in college and graduate, no one ever said, "Oh, it's it's a wonderful, absolutely perfect. There are no problems in life if you're a musician." No, it's you know. Um, they they tell you, you know, the way their own experience. And it's, you know, you can either choose to listen or think that you'll be the exception and find out that you won't, (laughs) (laughs) most likely.
0: Yeah, you're right. So, Michael, thank you so much for this long and extensive conversation. I feel like we've been having a virtual cup of cappuccino across the (laughs) Atlantic. Well, uh, thank you. It was
2: a pleasure. And I thank you so much for inviting me. I, I was very honored.
0: Yes. Before we end, Michael, can you direct our listeners to someplace online where people could find out more about you and your work?
2: Yes. Uh, my, my SoundCloud page actually has links
0: to uh,
2: uh, my scores, my Twitter and some other uh, sites. And that is uh, the, the URL for that is www.soundcloud.com. Slash, um, Michael, I'll spell it M-I-C-H-A-E-L C-A-L-A-B-R-I-S, and, and from there they can listen to my music. I have playlists of things that I like. There are links on the um, uh, biography section that they can go to, and, and that's where they'll find at this point most of information about my work.
0: Mm-hmm. So, SoundCloud is your main place online right now, right?
2: yes mm-hmm. i although well, i one of the, another thing that i'm working on right now is i do want to um create a website um and that's i'm that's something i'm i'm working on and just it's taking some time just because i i maybe have t- 10 or 15 minutes a day to to devote to to that so have you but
0: bought that, that, your domain name yet
2: no i i'm i think i might use one of the free uh uh Free sites um, and uh, for a while, I mean, because I've been asking people um, Mm -hmm. and we'll see what happens. Again, this is something that I'm um, getting advice and and also trying to write things down so that uh, um, the website doesn't take too long to put together. But I've never put together website, so I don't know how long it'll take. Maybe uh, I'm preparing in vain.
0: Does, I don't know. It, it does take some time, but uh, you can start small. You can start with just one page, you know, like like uh, like a channel and then uh, expand from there. And uh, yes, yeah, so I'll, I hope people can visit your SoundCloud channel, your future YouTube channel, your future website and uh, your Steam uh, account as well. Right? To get to know to you, mm-hmm. say hello to you. Right and and support you.
2: Yes, and I, I uh, appreciate it. And any uh, future listeners, I, I thank you ahead of time.
0: All right, thank you so much, Michael. And uh, when you create something new and exciting for organ for harpsichord, let me know. Maybe we can chat again. I I will I'll do that, Vitas. Thank you. This blog is supported by Total Organist, the most comprehensive organ training program online.